Hey guys, I'm gonna start answering all your marketing questions and concerns on here. I'm gonna give you quick bite-sized actionable marketing strategies and tactics that will help you attract new patients immediately and grow your practice. Every Monday, a short episode will come out and each month we will be covering a topic. Topics like ground marketing, Google AdWords, internal marketing, reputation management, and more. And I will have experts, agencies, and professionals give us step-by-step instructions you can easily implement. What you're listening to will be actionable steps you can do today. No strings attached. And then you will see the results. So without further delay, let's get into our Monday morning marketing episode. Hey guys, I know you're going to enjoy this Monday morning marketing episode, but before that, real quick, I just want to let you know, don't forget to scroll all the way to the very bottom of the show notes and you can check out our sponsors. It's a great way to support the podcast. If you're like, man, I want to support the podcast. This is how you can do it. Scroll all the way to the bottom of the show notes. And if you need any of the products or services that our sponsors are giving you or they do, then please Click on their photos, click on the links under their pictures, and at the same time, you get an exclusive deal, but you're also supporting the podcast, and I truly appreciate that. So that's all. That's all I wanted to let you know. All right, let's get back into this episode. Hey, Paul, so talk to us about internal marketing strategies. Tell me one or a couple tactics or methods that will help bring in new patients or just help us better utilize it. Yeah, man. And, and, and what I'm going to talk about is kind of something that I think a lot of dentists miss. And we always like internal marketing strategies versus external because they don't cost a thing. And um, I think, you know, everything that's internal marketing goes back to the patient experience. How can we improve the patient experience? So I think anything you're doing in that regard is going to increase your referrals that you'll get from your existing patient base. And as a dentist, we I mean, we all know that those are the best referrals because that's somebody who's immediately walking into your practice that's already got approval from somebody they know and and they already to some level trust you. So I, I think a, a good place to start is just really honing in on that patient experience, walking through your office, seeing the words that your team is using here at the front desk. What are they using in the back? How are we all talking about treatment together? Are we on the same page? Are we saying the same things? And then what are some little things that we can do to make that patient experience better? And I'll just give like one little tidbit there is that, you know, Whenever I do a Sarah crown, I always sit the patient up and I always say, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're done with the scan. We're going to make the crown. You're just going to sit here for about 40 minutes. We'll come back and try it in. Can I get you a water or coffee? And they always say no. They always tell me no. And, and my team does it the hygienist way. Can I get you a water or coffee? It just kind of sends that vibe that we're here to take care of you. And we're here to do everything we can to make this visit pleasant. There's a million little things you can do along the way. But if you're creating that great patient experience, you'll have happy patients. So then I want to turn this around to a very big missed opportunity that we often see is that when we see a new patient, when we see a new family, we check out that patient. They just had a great new patient visit. We go over like any treatment they need and then we schedule them. But then we don't ask, do you have anyone else in your family that you want to schedule? Mm-hmm. Or they might say something like, usually it's the, it's, it's the mom that's the first new patient at the office. She's like, oh, you know, my husband's schedule so busy. He'll call and schedule. We'll be like, you know, why don't we get something on the books and then we'll get a reminder text to him about two weeks out. If he needs to change it, he can. And we just, this is something that we track at my office. We call it added patients. And then what all an added patient for us is that it's a patient that got added to the schedule that did not require a phone call. So, you know, mom's there. She loves us. She loves the office. We can get, you know, possibly even get the husband. We can get possibly two kids out of the deal. So if you really think about that and you see maybe 25 new patients a month, 
there's a potential usually to get another three patients, you know, one to three patients from that one single patient. So if you had all 25 patients send you three patients, that's 75 new patients that are coming in next month. And that's why I think like my office historically, we're seeing about 165 new patients a month. And it doesn't all come from external marketing. It doesn't all come from Google or pay-per-click or anything like that. A lot of it's from like, we're making sure that we're capitalizing on the patients that we have. Also, even the patients that we have, something that our hygienists are always checking during recall, is everybody scheduled? Do we have everybody in the family scheduled? If not, mm. let's do that now because you're here. And it, it saves us time in the long term. Well, one, it keeps our schedules busy. But two, um, it's not another phone call that we need to have. It's not another phone call we need to answer. It's not another time where we, we're flipping through schedules. Oh, I got to check on this. I got to check on that. Like the person is right there. There's no better time. They're hot. They just had a good appointment. And it's, it's a perfect time to ask for more new patients without saying like, hey, do you know anyone else that needs a good dentist? Because that's kind of, that feels kind of slimy to me. But mm -hmm. hey, do you want to schedule for anyone else in your family? And um, I would say on average, we can usually get another you know, 20, 25, sometimes 40 patients. And we track this. And, and I think we actually see a lot more than we actually track because it is, it's not a trackable metric where it's like the computer does it. It's we're just doing mm -hmm. a tally sheet. But um, I mean, it, it's just a huge missed opportunity in most offices. Yeah, I like that. Just asking, right? You mentioned walking through your office to see how the flow of everything happens, right? With the patient experience. Where should someone start? What do you feel like, okay, you're looking too much into that detail. Chill out with that, right? You should be uh -huh. focused on this thing. What, what are some main things we need to look out for and not worry too much about? Well, you know what? I, I think there, there can't be too many details. I think the details matter. I think the, something that we just came up in a recent team meeting was like, hey, there's 40 people here and we're all using the bathrooms as well as the patients. If you're in the bathroom, tidy it up a little bit. I was going in the bathroom to be just a little bit of toilet paper on there or on the, on the ground. Pick that thing up, like wipe off the sink, wipe down the mirror, things like that. So I think the details matter. For me, I focus very much on the details. And mm -hmm. I, I think the place to start, it's always the phone skills. Because, I mean, that's the first person, human that you're, they're going to have contact with. That's the first like interpersonal touch point that they're going to have with your office. But I mean, it just starts from look at where the patient enters the office. What do they see? And you can sit down with your team and do this at a meeting where everybody sits in a different area of the office for two minutes. Look around, write down everything you see. And then you can make a list for like a handyman or if you want to fix things yourself. Sometimes it's like, hey, we got to clean those vents up there. Uh, we got mm -hmm. TVs on the ceiling. Those need to be dusted. There's a lot of marks on the, on the floorboards. Um, there's a fly up in, you know, up in the light that's been there since like the Reagan era. There's stuff going on that, and, and the patients are looking at that and they're making judgments about the quality of your work and the quality of your office uh, based on all this stuff. So I think all this stuff matters. But for me, it's like we walk through that process. What do we say when the patient comes in? Okay, how do we present like, okay, have a seat and we'll come get you. Um, a big part for me is that if we're running behind, we're always going to come out. We're going to let the patient know that we are running behind. And I don't know, so not just we're running behind, we are running about 10 minutes behind. We will see you in about 10 minutes. I want them to have a time. I don't want them to sit there and be like, did they forget about me? Should I go back and check in? I want them to look at the clock and be like, okay, you know what? I could wait for another 10 minutes. No big deal. Mm -hmm. But I think it's, it's a lot more anxiety producing if you're sitting there and you don't know a time thing. When we bring people into the operatories, the chairs are set in a certain way. Everything is even, everything is tidy. The operator chair is sitting in the corner. It's facing this way. The assistant chair is sitting on this side. It's facing this way. Our TVs on the wall are not set up on any picture. They're set up on a logo of our office so that they're muted. So it's like all these little things need to happen. And it, it looks seamless. Like people come in, they're like, oh, wow, that was so great. But they don't know all the little elements that we're really focusing on. So as far as like 
can you get too granular on it? Yeah, I mean, I'm a little anal and I kind of go a little crazy and my team laughs at me all the time about it. But no, I don't think so. I think these details matter. And I think it's the attention to the details that um, patients might not explicitly comment on, but there is something in there that makes them feel good. Like, wow, this place is very different than what I'm used to. Yeah. What do you feel like over the phone you see a lot of people do where you're like, oh man, don't do that, where you could have done something and gotten more, something more, you know? Yeah. You know, you know what I see a lot? I think the worst thing to do on the phone is I think when we answer phone calls, we have to take control of the conversation. So that involves us asking a question and then we are controlling the conversation, trying to move it along because when things sound bad on the phone, I mean, other than like, just, I mean, be enthusiastic, smile before you answer it, be friendly, stuff like that. Use the patient's name and sentences. But like where I think people goof up is that they don't take control of that phone call and the patient's talking, 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 talking. And the patient will answer, ask a question that maybe isn't the most clear question. It's not the easiest to answer. And then somebody tries to answer it and it's just like cringe town. It's like, what the hell did you just say? That's not right. That's not what we want to say. Because, because it, the more questions you answer, the more opportunities you have to kind of drop the ball or to say something that might be misunderstood mm. or might be taken the wrong way. So for me, it's take care of the phone call, take control of it, ask a question. We always say the easiest one is to say, hey, tell me how you heard about us. And another thing I always like to tell my team is I call these empathy value hope statements is that anytime they're saying there's something bad about another office or, or they're talking about pain, we got to like exhibit some sort of empathy, like, oh man, two thanks are the worst. I feel so bad for you. Or, oh, that really stinks when they, they tell you they're going to charge you one thing and charge you another. That would frustrate me too. That's that empathy. And then the value is like, hey, you found the right place or, you know, Dr. Etchison's great with, with two thanks. And then the hope statements is like something that's moving them towards getting their goal is you found the right place. Hey, we're going to get you in today. We'll get you in, but we'll get you feeling better or we'll get you in. We'll show you how transparent our fees are. We're very clear on what things cost. Like we're always selling the office. You're going to love it here. It's great. Everybody's so great here. And, and you, you can't talk it up enough. I was an advertising major back in college <laughs> and there was this like fifth, third bank study we had to read. And it was showing that they they, they showed this advertisement in certain markets and they said, hey, we have the great, greatest customer service. We're the best. We're all this stuff. And then they, they surveyed people in those, those areas that saw the ads. And whether, whether or not they saw it or not, they don't know. But it's just like, but the customer service was rated better by the customers that went to a bank that was in that viewing area. There's this belief that there's a, the priming effect that we can prime patients to think the way that we want them to think about our office just by telling them what we want them to think about our office. And hopefully it's true. Hopefully they're not just, we're not making up. Hopefully, but this is the best place. The doctor is the best. We will take great care of you. Like, you know, we're going to listen to all your, we have we're compassionately listen to you. No judgment, things like that. So I think it's important to kind of figure out who you are as a brand and who you want to be for your patients and get everybody on the same page so that they can start talking about it. And there's nothing wrong with talking about it. It's, it's not bragging. It's, it's just telling them, you know, this is who we are and, this is who we want to be in the mind of our customers. So, yeah. What would you do, Paul, if like you're talking about this, you're make, making a system for it, right? But then there might be like a team member who's always like, oh, I forget. Or, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, right? They're good with like numbers or something, right? But then they're bad at everything else. Yeah. Would that be like, oh man, that's killing the whole internal marketing strategy? Or that, is that more like, we're not even going to put you there anymore. Don't even say anything. Well, I, I think there's always elements of training that's needed and you can systematize this. Like we have a document, we call it our movement sequence and it's essentially the script to our play. It's not that we're saying scripted things, but it goes through the whole new patient interaction and then what we're doing and the steps that we're going to take 
for instance, like if we call someone from the waiting room, we're going to walk towards them. We don't just stand at the door and wave them over because if you see a friend at a party that you really, really like, you're like going towards them. Like, what's up? Like, if you see somebody you don't like, you might just wave from across the room. But I mean, how do you feel about the person? You're like, hey, hey, what's up, Mike? And you go, get over here. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to stand right here. You come on over here. It's there's and, and the patient might, some people listening might be like, dude, patients aren't thinking about that. And I'm not saying that they're going to think about it, but somewhere in that subconscious, they're going to be like, oh, I like this person. They were coming towards me. I like them. And that's like a part that we go in, like when we see it in the app, they go in the right door, the operator goes in the left door, asks if we can take their stuff and we hang it up for them. So it's, it's all these little things. But if there's somebody that just can't get it, I mean, training starts with clarity. This is how we want it done. And this is how we need you to do it. And if you're not getting it done, tell me why you're not getting it done. Is it because you don't believe in it? Is it because you can't, you can't remember it? What is the issue? And then attack it from that. And, and, you know, I've had people that just really didn't understand this is how we wanted to do it and, and or how we wanted to do it. And then they do it. And then we've had some other employees where it just, it never got done the right way. And in my experience, those people don't change much. There's something not, I would say flawed, but it's just not their cup of tea. You're never going to make an unenthusiastic person that's not friendly become enthusiastic and friendly. It's just not going to happen. So um, if it's not the right fit for the personality, it's just never going to be. But I think you have to have some kind of definitive training document because you've got to set the bar. And without setting the bar, you can't know if anyone's like meeting it or not. Yeah. That's what, what was it called? Your document? We call it a movement sequence. Uh-huh. Okay, so that's what we call it. How, yeah, we, how it's supposed to go. Yeah, we call it a movement sequence. So that's that's, that's, nice. a, that's what we call it ours. It's it's in my first book is actual the the one we've updated since my first book came out, but it's it's pretty much the same as it is in that first book. Nice, man. Okay, and then there's no detail too small where it's like that's irrelevant, right? Everything should be. And I think that's what separates your practice, right? Like you really yeah. look the details, and then kind of create your own brand. You know, everything matters, man. I mean, we just had a. Uh, we had a new hygienist start like maybe a month ago and we wore black scrubs and she came with pink shoes. I didn't think they looked bad, but I was like, hey, uh, we don't wear pink shoes here. <laughs> we wear black shoes. Was she like, why? She goes, oh, I didn't know. I'm like, hey, it, I think your shoes look great, but we, you know, for consistency, we all wear, we all wear black shoes. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. No, okay. any black shoes. So I like that. But you know what? If it don't matter to me, it's not going to matter to anyone else. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, we just bought a bunch of crew neck sweaters with our logos on it. And everyone got it and some of the girls decided to wear it to work. I like that they want to wear it to work, but I didn't like the frumpy kind of that look of it. You know, that, mm. that didn't, that wasn't my, my look. So I said, Hey, no more, you know, can't wear crew necks at work. We're going to wear scrubs. And yeah, they're all their eyes and stuff, but it's, yeah. uh, it's, it matters to me. So I like that, man. Take initiative. You know what I mean? Like only have the essentials and then, you know, yeah. I mean? you can add the, the details. Awesome, Paul. I appreciate your time. And if anyone has further questions, you can definitely find them in the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group or where can they reach out to you directly? You know, I have dentalpracticeheroes.com. That's for my podcast. You can check that out. And there's a contact form on there. There's a free gift. If you want to get the 20-page brand book that I use with new hires, that's on there too. Just sign up for the mailing list and it'll get mailed to you. But yeah, you can reach out to me through there and then happy to field any questions or talk to anyone who wants to know more. Awesome. So guys, that's going to be in the show notes below. And Paul, thank you for being with me on this Monday morning marketing episode. Thanks for having me, man. 